0: Blog Talk Radio All
1: right <laughs> I? I I I I I Welcome to NCTM Radio
0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of NCMMA Radio. This is your host, Tyson Roush. You can follow this show, ncmmaradio.com, on Instagram and Twitter, ncmma_radio, radio, and check out our sponsor, HeadRush, headrushbrand.com. This episode, we got a great guest. It's Ryan Cafaro coming off a big CFFC win. Now he's going to King of the Cage. So it's Ryan. It's Tyson. What's up, man? How you doing?
1: Good. Uh, thank you again for having me. I always appreciate being on the show.
0: No, dude, it's great, man. And speaking of being on the show, last time we talked, man, you were getting ready for CFFC, and your performance was awesome, man. So what were your thoughts on on your last win?
1: To be a bit of a perfectionist, and I, I thought that I did well. I definitely – my striking was where I wanted it to be, but I still – there were still errors in my game in, in the sense that I feel like I could have had the opportunity – I had the opportunity to finish, and I didn't capitalize, and then uh, – my, uh, I, I thought that my, my ground game needed a little bit of work in terms of, uh, you know, things like takedown defense. But I, uh, I've been, been doing a lot to to adapt and, and adjust my game to, to improve since
0: then. One thing I noticed, man, was, like you said, your striking was great, your footwork and your movement was awesome. You look so composed, man. You, you stayed, like, very calm, very composed. There's times you were even smiling and laughing in the cage when the guy was coming at you. So, like, how do you stay so calm like that?
1: Um, I, I got to say, that was the first time in 16 fights that my, that a fight felt like sparring. It didn't, I didn't feel the weight of the fight in there. It just felt like I was actually having fun. And, I mean, the only, yeah, that I was just sparring. Um, but I, I think the, the biggest thing was that I had trained with really tough guys the entire camp, and I was pushed, like, to the brinks. Multiple times in training. So when you you training when you're training with guys like you know Ricky Bedejas and uh, my main sparring partner from Philly Eugene Aubrey and these guys are all killers. It's just it it, it kind of lightens the load, and it makes the actual fight that much easier.
0: No, you could know, tell man. Like I said, I was watching you. You sitting like, wow, he's so composed. And like the guy, he was going for takedowns. He had you pinned against the cage. You stayed just everything was composed. You reacted. You had good counters. So now, following that fight, how much studying of your own fight did you do?
1: Uh, like, oh, like the, the analyzation of my own fight? Yep. Um, I would say, you know, I, I watched it probably, you know, 10 to 15 times and took notes and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you end up watching it a couple times seriously, and then you end up, you know, bragging a little bit to your friends because they want to watch it and all that stuff. But, um yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I watched it, and I really analyzed, especially, like, rounds two and three, where the rounds were very, very close. I mean, it was, it was a split decision fight, and it, it's possible it could have gone either way. The kid, Adley, was incredibly tough, and, it, you know, you have one judge that, that likes grappling a little bit more, and I walk away with an L in that fight. But luckily, I got the win based on my striking.
0: Yeah, he did like I said it was a great fight man, and now you looked for a pretty quick turnaround you got king of the cage locked in. What made you get back in so quickly?
1: Um, you know I wasn't actually planning on on fighting on on this card coming up. I had a teammate fighting on the card, and then uh King of the cage offered me you know a you know a, it was the right choice financially so i I, I took it based on that but then what they re- what really got me was they offered me an opponent who I had actually ended up sparring like three or four years ago, and
0: um, he uh, his
1: name's Chris Humes Mitchell who I'm fighting next on Saturday. And he uh, we sparred a long time ago, I think like four years ago, and he got the uh, the better of me, like he tagged me up pretty pretty good at sparring. I think he even like rocked me pretty bad with like a flying knee or something like that in sparring, and uh, I was just you know what I mean. As far as I'm concerned, the score is a one nothing. Uh, one Chris, nothing me, so I'm, I'm excited to even the score up.
0: Now, have you changed anything in this fight camp as opposed to previous ones?
1: Uh, Yeah. Based on how quickly the turnaround has been, I didn't need to diet as hard, and I didn't need to train as hard, they, at least for the first, like, three to four weeks of camp. I mean, even if you want to call it camp, I'm, the, the longer I'm training, the more i become annoyed at the idea of being in a fight camp. Because it that that means that you're you're changing your lifestyle for eight to ten to twelve weeks or whatever. I don't do that. I train year round, constantly, all the time. So it's almost it's almost insulting to me when somebody takes a training camp to fight me, as in you you think you can beat me on eight weeks preparation. You know what I mean? Like Central hasn't fought in a year. Don't think you can just you know buckle down for eight. Weeks. And then think you're going to beat him when I've been busting my ass for the past several years with almost, you know, I, I I train year round, so, you know, I I just think the my proper preparation is gonna is gonna overcome his, you know, eight weeks of hard work, and I'm sure he trains hard, and I'm sure he's in good shape, but you know, it, this is a game of inches, and you know, if I'm if I'm inching the entire year, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more than a couple feet ahead of you.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. And the one thing I always find interesting interviewing a lot of fighters is their teams, like the teams they fight with, you know, their sparring partners, all that. How important is, are your coaches and your teams, especially when you have to take a fight on a little shorter, like a shorter break?
1: Um, it, it is important. Um, this, oh, yeah, well, this, this this fight in particular, because I didn't really – fighting Chris, he's uh, my first southpaw opponent in 16 fights, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that. The only issue is that when I, you know, normally come out to Catone's bar and Ricardo Almeidas, there aren't that many southpaws. So I had to do a little bit of a, uh, little bit of scouting and, and hit up a couple guys that I know that were southpaws, and I, I ended up bringing them to come to me for training instead of driving out to Catone's, which is normally, you know, an hour and a half drive each way for me. Actually, became a little more efficient, and um, you know, my, um, you you've met my boxing coach before, uh, a guy named. Uh, Chip Hart, he, he's uh, the big black guy that comes with me to all my training sessions. He, um, yep. he organizes all of my sparring, and um, he's been such a valuable part of a uh, valuable asset to my team in, in terms of having eyes on all of my sparring sessions and making sure that I'm, I'm following through with all the things. You know, each sparring session isn't just me fighting, it's me improving my technique and, and all that. And then the same goes with Aaron Meisner out of Royal Striking, you know, w- watching what I'm doing. And you know, adjusting my game and allowing me to fight as a, like as a very free, throwing whatever I want, and it applies in, in the cage because I mean, if you saw my last fight, I was throwing you know, flying double knees, spinning hook kicks, whatever I wanted in there.
0: Yeah, man, you were, and that's the one thing—it's you know, fun to watch—is you're so creative. Now, is th- that fun for you because you know you're so unpredictable for your opponent?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just all, all my all my. Teammates that are going to the UFC, they all end up doing really cool stuff. You know, you know, Paulie's spinning backfits, spinning hook kick, and Sean Brady, who's one of my teammates, he won one of his previous fights with a spinning back fist. It's kinda like, you know, I kinda wanna get in the club, to spin spin to win club. So
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And you know, the other thing I always, yeah. I'm always find interesting is, you know, you take a lot of pride in just your conditioning, your strength and conditioning and, and just nutrition and diet, stuff like that. How important is that in terms of recovery, especially if you're doing these grueling sessions?
1: Uh, extremely important. I'm not, you know, the, I, I look 21, but I'm not, I'm 27. And on Tuesday, I turned 28. So it is it, with, with my agent factor, you, you have to realize that your body doesn't recover like a 20 year old, a 21 year old, and so on. So you, I have to make adjustments and I have to do things to ensure that my body is recuperating accordingly. Um, I eat extremely clean pretty much year-round. A lot of, you know, I'm I'm a guy that I eat for performance, not for taste. I, you know, I'm constantly eating greens and making smoothies and all this other stuff, anything I have to do in order to make sure that my body can perform optimally year-round. I'm not the guy that walks around 30, 40 pounds over my weight class. I'm the guy that walks around with 7% body fat, 15 pounds over my weight class at all times ready to make weight on two weeks' notice in case something short comes up.
0: Yeah, and that's the one thing, and that's like a hot topic nowadays in MMA. Is all these weight cuts, man? Guys either make you know missing weight or making weight, and they're so sucked out and they're so dehydrated, and it's like it's you, you almost feel bad for them. Or it's like almost like it's not it's dangerous. What are your thoughts on all these yeah. weight cutting measures?
1: Well, I mean, I, I can't wait until they install you know more re- rules and regulations about cutting weight. I think uh, what one FC did in Asia was perfect. Uh, one of their fighters ended up cutting weight to the point where he died. So then they ended up modifying all the weight classes, essentially turning like 125 into 35, 35 into 45, and so on. But then none of the fighters are allowed to dehydrate. So not only do you have to make your weight class, but then you also have to pass a hydration test. We weigh in at 155 for the fight, but I would also have to be hydrated.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's smart, man. That's, you see it, you see these yeah. guys. I see you see the one dude, the guy was cramping up on the on the scale. It's like that's ridiculous. I mean, it's just. It's not it's healthy, together. and you know the turnouts are going to be awful.
1: It's not healthy, and it's not an, an attractive thing. It's not an enticing thing for the sport. It's not a good look for the sport, especially when you see, you know, guys looking anorexic and, and then all of a sudden blowing up 30 pounds overnight. That's not the direction I want to head in. But, you know, and, all, and you, you remember um, last year I ended up cutting to 135 or trying to cut the 135, and I had all these opponents pull out, and I didn't end up getting the fight. Um, I think I ended up getting injured based on the weight cut. My body became so dehydrated. The next time I went to work out, I, you know, damaged one of the discs in my neck badly, and I was out for almost a year.
0: Yeah, it's. I'm glad to see some, some sanctions are trying to figure it out, and just, it, you know, it's oh, it's fighter safety, man. Everybody wants to see great fights, but you want to see healthy fighters as well. So it just makes a lot of sense yeah. to just clean it up and make it better for everybody. Well, Ryan, you got King of the Cage locked in. What are your thoughts on this fight, man? It's this is great, man. I'm so glad you're bouncing back quickly.
1: Uh, I'm fighting. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about this, especially because my last opponent was like five foot eleven, and he looked like he was closer to six feet, six foot one at 145. Uh, Chris Eames Mitchell, he's one or what is he? He's five foot six. I've never lost to an opponent who's shorter than me. Um, I feel like in order for you to make it competitive with me on the feet, you have to have range. You have to have Length, height. Because if I can, if I can tag you and I can tag you consistently, it's going to be a long night. Um, and I, I have a feeling he accepted the fight based on our, how our sparring session went a couple of years ago. And I'm like, dude, if you want to sleep on me, that's fine, but don't, don't come into the cage and expect me to be the same, same guy who you know just got done teaching a class while you were pitching for a fight, and then they asked you to, to ask me to spar you. Like, don't, don't think that's the same fighting because you're in for a, a rough night if that's what you think you're getting into. So I, um, I'm really looking forward to this fight. I'm really looking forward to it because, you know, this guy's another undefeated guy. I beat the last guy who was 2-0. I beat Chris Humes, who's 3-0, and that'll make my last two opponents undefeated, like 5-0 combined record. And uh, hopefully that'll really start getting some attention to get the UFC's eyes on me.
0: No doubt, man. Just keep climbing the ladder and keep grinding. Last but not least, do you have a message for your friends and family, man?
1: Yeah. uh, If you didn't get your tickets, I'm coming for you this week, so you better uh, better be ready. I'm coming for your ass because you said you're going to come support me. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, I I appreciate everybody that supports me on my journey. Uh, I could not do it without the support of my friends, my family, my coaches, uh, Eugene Hart, Eugene Aubrey. Aaron Heisner, uh, the guys at the QBJJ, the guys at Nikaton MMA, uh, guys at World Class Martial Arts, uh, and then all, all the fighters I look up to, all my teammates, and uh, all my sponsors that, you know, help me do all this and, and help me afford training. I, I can't do it without any of you guys. So uh, I appreciate it, and I'm not going to let any of you down, and we're getting another win on Saturday
0: well ryan you know, on behalf of nick and myself best of luck man you're an exciting fighter like the, your last fight was awesome we're looking forward to this one and like i said best of luck man
1: yeah thank you very much i appreciate it
0: all right man have a good day and, and kick some ass we'll talk to you after it
1: yes sir thank you for having me on the show no
0: problem all right ryan kafaro king of C- king of the cage locked in sugar house casino october 28th check him out kid's an exciting fighter Great striking, great movement he brings in. He's pretty creative, too. He throws some crazy stuff out there. It's a lot of fun to watch. So you want to thank him for his time. Yo, thank you for listening. radio.com Also check out Headrush, headrushbrand.com, and we'll talk to you next time.